0: Well, hey, happy 4th of July weekend. I'm glad that you prioritized church today. And and um, uh, it started raining, so it's not like you had a whole lot of other places to go today, okay? So, um, no, but I am glad that you're here. You know, I think about, I think in our culture, sometimes I think holidays just become, they just become a paid time off. That's usually what we end up just, that's all we think about. It's like, okay, finally, I can not go to work and I can get paid. And so that's where it ends. And I think, I think it's... Uh, I think it's healthy that we actually reflect at on times on what this is actually about, and you know, this is a weekend that we celebrate freedom, and uh, you know, for our, all of our country's faults and all the flaws that there might be, and all the things that we would like to see different. Uh, I honestly can't think of anywhere else I would rather be in this entire world. And then, um, and then North Dakota. On top of that, just keeps getting better and better. And so, anybody else? And just grateful to be in America and to have the freedom that we do. Yes, absolutely right. And so, you know, that's a. This is a topic, by the way. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jason, and I get the privilege of being pastor here. And so, um, I'd love to meet you afterward too. So. Uh, uh, I love that. I usually try to stay in the back, and so uh, you can just feel free to interrupt me if you need to. That's fine. I I would love to meet you. But hey, we are talking about freedom today. That's actually what we are going to talk about. This is one of those terms that uh, I've noticed that a lot of people have, we just have an idea about what it is. If I asked you, what's freedom? Do you know what that means? Everybody in here, of course I know what that means. But it's one of those things that I've found that for a lot of us, we really haven't thought about very much we really haven't given it a whole lot of thought what is it what does it really mean and if, if you haven't noticed I don't know if you've noticed this or not but it's it's not quite that unifying idea in our country it's not quite as unifying as maybe we we thought it would be it's I mean who doesn't want to be free the problem is that so many of us have different visions different ideas about what what freedom really means and so we have these different ideas that kind of come up when we start talking about freedom some of us we think about opportunity. It's like freedom is is the ability to have things available to me. It's for some people they they, they start thinking outcome. It's like yeah, if freedom is is equity at, at a certain level. And so we have these different ideas, and it affects the way we think. It affects the way we approach our culture and and even our day to day life. And what I want to do today is I want to give you a, a theological perspective, a Jesus perspective, as to what freedom is. Now there's this kind of quintessential picture story of freedom and slavery in the Bible. Even people who are not following Jesus or maybe not even consider them Christians are somewhat familiar with the story of Israel being the Hebrew people being enslaved in Egypt. And so here they are, they're they're in actual physical bondage, physical slavery. And God raises up this man named Moses to go in there and to free these people. And he leads them out of Egypt And so they're now physically free and yet then they get out into the wilderness and we read throughout the next several books of the Bible all about how they actually wanted to go back to the very place that was enslaving them in the first place. And this is really such a, uh, it's like looking into a mirror because this is not just what they did, this is what all of us tend to do. See, Moses, God raises up Moses to, to, to take a nation and to bring, bring them a lifetime of freedom. And so here we are in the New Testament. God has sent his son Jesus to bring us an eternity of freedom. Moses was raised up to bring people into uh, physical freedom. Jesus comes along and he wants to bring all of us into what the Bible would call wholeness. It's that shalom. It's that idea that the things that were broken and missing and not right, he wants to bring wholeness to your life. That's, that's not just physical freedom. It's, it's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. It's your desires. Like he wants to bring freedom to your entire area, to your entire life. Now, if you've been following for the last couple of weeks, like Bethany said, we're in our summer essentials series. And uh, the whole idea behind that is that, you know, life, especially summer. I mean, summer in North Dakota is all of about, you know, a few days. You know, and you just got to take advantage of that. And so I get it. I'm trying my best to take advantage of it too. It's like go on vacation, get out, go fishing, whatever that is. And, and, uh, and so life just kind of pulls us in all kinds of different directions. And the, what we've been saying is, hey, you can take the essentials of your faith with you. And so we've been trying to just talk about some of these essential things that we tend to just take for granted. And so we talked about worship. We've talked about faith. And for the last two weeks, we've sort of been talking, well, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit. And what it's kind of turned into, I wish I could say I just planned it all out this way, but it just, just kind of worked out this way. It's, we've had kind of a series in a series. So we're today we're kind of wrapping up our three-week Holy Spirit, our unofficial Holy Spirit series for these last three weeks. And so you can't help, so we, we started out two weeks ago talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, that he's a person. Then we, then we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, what that looks like in your life. And then you can't talk about the Holy Spirit and not talk about freedom. You can't talk about the, it. It's, it's connected to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're doing. Now, you may have noticed over the last couple weeks of talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is about Jesus. Like he, he is about Jesus. The Holy Spirit isn't about the Holy Spirit. Like the the gifts and and what the Holy Spirit does. He's not interested. The Holy Spirit doesn't elevate himself. The the Holy Spirit's about Jesus. And so you know, you, you know that you're engaging, speaking about the Holy Spirit properly when Jesus Christ is glorified. That's a real indication that you're approaching the Holy Spirit Correctly. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to continue down this vein and we're going to drill down into this idea of freedom, this, this, uh, this sort of elusive term that we, t- we sort of just take for granted, but it really is a critical thing that we understand as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I got some categories and they're sort of broad stroke categories. And so you may find yourself, may see yourself in a couple of these different categories, maybe not all in on one of them, maybe maybe you split between a couple of them. And so I'm going to try to, try to shine some light on this about ideas that we have about freedom. And maybe not just we, but just as a culture, just ideas that we see in our culture. Here's the first idea that I see. It's really common. When we we think about freedom, we think think freedom is living life with no boundaries. Freedom is no boundaries, no limitations. I can do whatever I want. That's what freedom is. Now, I don't even have to shine scripture on this in order for this to start breaking down. I can just, we'll just approach this one a little bit rationally here. You think about the time that you've been born into. Like the fact that it's 2022, that right there, poses certain limitations and boundaries on your life. You can't do anything you want in 2022. Not like you may have been in another era and another time. Like the time you're, you find yourself in poses a limitation. You think about the place that you've been born into, the place that you live. It, uh, it just innately brings certain limitations and boundaries to your life. You live in Williston, North Dakota right now. That's a there's, there's certain things you can't do because you live here. That's just the way that it is. There's, certain, there's natural limitations and boundaries that life b- brings to us. How about this one? The, you, don't get to choose, you don't always get to choose the, the people that are around. You don't get to choose your parents. You, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. At least that's what I tell my kids, okay? So you don't get to choose your, your parents. You don't, you don't get to choose your siblings. Like these, the people in your life. Boundaries and limitations. So you can't get away from it. How about your actual physical body? Your actual physical body poses certain limitations. Not all of us can do what others can do. It's just part of it. It's, it's part of life. It has boundaries. And so if, if freedom is a life with no boundaries, then none of us are ever going to be free. That's just what it comes down to. There's a progression. You follow this, this logic. Well, if I believe that, it just, there's, a, there's a natural progression that an idea like this takes. And, We hear it all the time. It turns into this, like, the cultural mantra we hear all the time, which is like, believe in yourself. Right? You do you. Believe in yourself. By the way, that's a heavy burden to bear. I mean, that's a heavy burden to bear. Everything rises and falls on you and falls on you to figure out which was right, which way is wrong all the time. Like, you get to be the one that determines all that. Man, that, that's, that's heavy. That's not, that's not necessarily, um, that's not freedom. This is Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. There's this thing that we all do. All people do this. It's where we, we, we take what we hear and what we see, and then we, we, we set it up in front of us as an ideal, and then we measure our life based on it. So it's like, well, am I winning in life? Well, and then we, we, we kind of hold up our ideals and we just go, yes or no. You know, is this where I want to be? We, 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 we determine our goals for our future based on the ideals, based on the, this is called mirroring, by the way. It's when you, you set a certain ideals and then you sort of put that at like a mirror and you reflect on that and that becomes the way that you measure and direct your life. Now, mirroring, doing that isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. The, the, the call to action would be choose your mirrors carefully. And so as a follower of Jesus, the Word of God is what's intended to be the mirror for our life. So we hear and we see the Word of God. That should become the standard by which we're measuring the direction and the success of our life. It's based on the Word of God. Now, I, as we're thinking about freedom, okay, freedom, is, is it a life without boundaries? Now, as I was preparing for this message this week, I was reading a study. And uh, it was a study that was done on uh, young elementary school children and on one day, they let the kids out to recess, and they put them out into this playground that had a fence that went all the way around it, and they observed them. And then a few days later, they took the same kids, and they put them out into a playground that had no fence around it. And they just observed the behavior, and what they found was that these kids that were that were in the playground with the fence, they went all the way to the edges. Like, they were running everywhere. I mean, you just had kids spread out. They, were, they just freely roamed the edges of the playground, just not a care in the world. And then they noticed that the kids on the playground without offense were a little bit more congregated. They, they stuck to groups. They were a little bit more huddled. They didn't dare go to the edges of the playground. And what they kind of determined was that this, this perceived boundary, this limitation actually it was actually a very freeing experience for these kids. The boundary line actually ended up becoming a source of freedom for them. I, I got another story to just kind of give you, give you a picture of this. Uh, I, when I was, I used to be in the Navy, and when I was there, I, I did a lot of diving. And one day we were doing an operation, we were out on the, we were several miles out in the ocean. And I was going to be the one diving that day. And so we could see there was a little bit of potential. The storm was kind of rolling in, but we just looked at the time. We thought, okay, we got enough time. We can go ahead. We can do this. And so we headed out there and we get to where we needed to go. And I get ready. I go under the water. And I was probably under the water for about 30 minutes or so. And I noticed just based on the swells under the water, or the, the current under the water, I could tell that storm was rolling in fast because it was pulling me all over which direction. So I thought, oh man, okay, it's a man almost 30 minutes. So I'm going to head back up to the surface. So I head back up to the surface. I get there. The boat sees me. And so they start making their way. And as the boat's coming by, this side, this wave kind of comes at the boat from, from sideways and it picks that end of the front end of the boat up and turns it toward me. And I thought, oh man. So I immediately, I just went under the water. I was like, oh, I'm going back under. It's safer down there. So then I went under the water and I swam away for about 50, 100 feet or so. And then I came back up and, and then we, we were able to, they were able to get me in the boat. Now, it was all good. Everything was safe. But here's the thing. I think about the ocean. I think about that. What happened in that moment? Just the, the waves, the water, no limitations, no boundaries. And see, so if we think of life is that way, it's like, oh, freedom is no limitations and no boundaries. And we think that that's freedom and that's not freedom. That's called Chaos. That's chaos. That's not real freedom. In fact, God has a better way. Here's another common broad stroke category that a lot of people think of freedom in. Is they think freedom is living with our own boundaries. Like, oh, I'll, I'm the captain of my ship. I'll create my own boundaries. I'll determine what's right and wrong. Now, if if you've if you've been listening. You know, on and off over the last year, we've we've talked about the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think of a lot of us, we think of that story like somehow Eve was just walking along and then she tripped and stumbled and she just, you know, made a mistake. I mean, who could blame her? I'm sure the fruit was delicious. It's like, man, did it just have to ruin everything? Like, I'm just not really, we we kind of minimize the impact of the story because for us as mo- as modern people and we're reading it through our lens, it's like they ate from a tree. Like, it really had that effect. But see, it wasn't, it wasn't quite that simple. It was a little bit more nuanced. See, what God did in that moment is he said, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is not your territory. This is my territory. That's what he was saying. He was saying, good and evil, I'm the one that makes decisions about what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. This is my territory, not yours. So Adam and Eve didn't just look at a tree and think, man, that looks delicious. Let's just eat it. No, what they did is they looked on it and they said, actually, I think I want to determine what's right and what's wrong. I'll determine what's good and what's evil. And then they took and they ate it and they decided to enter into a territory that they had no business entering into. That was the sin. This is this is living life with our own boundaries. We've been doing it since the beginning of time. Now, as if you're a Jesus follower and you go to church, and sometimes I think it's easy for us to go, oh yeah, we see this in the culture. Like we, it's easy to identify outside the church. Because we look at people outside the church and we look at our culture and we just go, oh man, rebellion. I look at the rebellion, they're rebellious. And, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. That's, I'm not saying no to that. But the truth is, is that we, we just got an, we have another name for it inside the church. It's inside the church, too. We just have a different name for it. We, we usually call that like good Christian behavior. We, we got another, we got another way that we think about it. It's good Christian behavior. I, I'm, I'm, I'll give you, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. This is Galatians 5, verse 1. He says, this is Paul talking. He says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, there was a man that came into this church in Galatia and he started preaching to the people and he started telling them, listen, yes, Christ, you're following Christ now, but there's some things that you're going to have to do if you want to stay right with Jesus. That's what he was telling them. In that case, he was preaching circumcision. And so he comes along, he says, no, you've got these other things that you're going to have to live your life by. And Paul's coming along and he's saying, whoa, hold on a second. Hold on a second. See, he's speaking to a natural tendency that, that all of us do. We all have this tendency. It's where we, we take certain values that we have. We have certain things that are close to our heart, and we turn them into rules. This tendency that we have, all as a Jesus follower or not, we have this tendency where we take certain convictions that we have, and we turn them into laws. We make them mandates. And when we're not careful, what happens is these are the things that become our sort of spiritual scoreboard. They become the thing that we're sort of measuring our life by. It's like, how are you doing? And then we got, we kind of run through our head and it's like, well, you know, I've been doing this, this so many days in a row and and I've done that. And you know, I haven't, it's been a long time since I did that. So you know what? I'm doing good. I'm good. I'm good with God. I'm like, me and God, we're, we're in a good place. Becomes our spiritual scoreboard. But see, if if we're not careful, where that eventually leads is it becomes, becomes the spiritual scoreboard in which we're measuring everybody else with, too. It doesn't just stay with us. It's like, it's how we measure. Well, are they a real Christian? Well, and we go through the wickets. Well, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We create spiritual scoreboards. Here's the truth. There's really no freedom. There's no real freedom in building our own boundaries. Like us determining our own boundaries. That's not real freedom. God has a better way. Here's a third, here's a third category right here. Living in God's boundaries. Living inside of God's boundaries. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. he says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. I love it. We even sang about that this morning. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. You say, I have the right to do anything. This is Paul saying this. You say you have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I, I have the right to do anything. Yeah, but, but I won't be mastered by, by anything. I want to give you kind of a word picture to think about your life. I think, I think sometimes we have this erroneous picture of God that somehow He's just in the business of always holding out. He's always got that hand behind the back. It's it's like, what do I got to do to make sure that I'm on His good side? Here's a picture for you. Go and pull that next one up. You have this tea kettle here. It's producing steam. And that steam is free, by the way. That's free steam right there, just going right out into the air. It just does whatever it wants, right? Steam is produced, and it's free to disappear and never be seen again, right? Just there it is. There's steam. Go to, go to the next picture here. This is a steam engine. See, what we have here is we have we have steam, just like from the steam kettle, except that steam has now been channeled into something. This steam's been been channeled. It, it, there, there's power behind this now. See, this is, this is similar to what God wants to do with you. We, we think God's always in the business of restraining. We think of God's, We think of boundary lines with God as this is God going, you better not do this, and you better start doing this, and you better, you better go here, and you better not go there. We, we think of boundary lines from God as restraints. And it, it's not restraint, it's releasing. It's like the steam. God wants to point your life, channel your life in a direction So that you can live a life of flourishing, flourishing with Him, flourishing with the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what God wants for you. He wants to channel your life in a certain direction. God's not, God's not got a, you don't have a hand behind His back, by the way. He's not holding, He's not holding out. I know that's the sort of the natural tendency because we think we live in a very performance based culture, so we think we got to get things right all the time. And God is not, God's not holding out. He sees Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that you were made right. With him, And that is it right there. All right. I, I got, the, the question is, if, if this is the answer right here, if, it's, if, it's, if real freedom is living inside of God's boundaries, there, there's another question. The question then becomes, okay, then how do I remain free then? How many of y'all know we can live in the freest country in the world? We, we, you can even be, you can even belong to the church and call yourself a Jesus follower, you know, the gospel of freedom, and yet, and still not live free. You could still be full of bondage, still wrapped up like your mentally, your emotions, your desires, your, like not not free. How I many y'all know that's possible? You can live that way. So the question then becomes: Okay, if 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 real freedom is living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then how do we remain firm in freedom? Now, before I answer that, before I answer that, I I want to I want to call attention to something because I think there's some confusion, especially if you're in, if you're relatively new to following Jesus, or um you know maybe you haven't given this much thought, but um. Uh, This is something that I've noticed that even, even people outside the church, people who are hostile to the church, maybe hostile to the gospel, they like to try to come at and they kind of use this as a tactic. And there's a lot of laws in the Old Testament. One book has over, over 600 laws just in one book alone. That's a lot of laws. And I think sometimes as a new Christian, it can be a little bit confusing. It's like, well, wait a second. Do I, am I, what laws am I following? I, I mean, there's all these laws. Which ones do I follow? Which ones do I not do? And, and then you have, a lot of, you have a lot of people outside of the people, of church who are hostile. They'll come along and they say, oh, you Christians, you just pick and choose. You just pick and choose what you're, what you're going to do. You're, you're not actually following the whole Bible. And then see, Jesus comes along and he says he says, actually, I did not come to abolish the law. I didn't abolish that. He says, I came to fulfill that. So what does that mean then? What's that mean? Here's what it means. See, in the Bible, there's all these categories for laws. You have, you have moral laws, judicial and civil laws. You had ceremonial laws and purification laws. You had all these, you had these different categories for laws. And see, what they were doing, see, one, one example would be you, strict mandates on how to sacrifice animals in order to make yourself right with God. Well, here's the thing. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. Praise God. Why? Because Jesus has fulfilled that portion of the law. But, on the other hand, we still don't murder. We still don't murder. Why? Because God is a life giver. From the womb to the nursing home, God is a life giver. And murdering does not reflect the character of God. So therefore, it's not abolished, it's fulfilled. We have these mandates in Old Testament to observe certain feasts and certain rituals, We don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled that. Yet we still don't lie. Why? Because God is a truth teller and lying doesn't reflect his character. We still are, we still don't commit adultery. Why? Because our unfaithfulness does not reflect the character of God. God is still faithful. Does that make sense? He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. And this is a really important distinction. For you to understand, it's important that you understand this because when you start thinking about your your freedom that you have in Jesus Christ, there's a clear question, there's a clear distinction between what is it that I do to follow Jesus and what is it that I receive by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? Two different things. It's important that you're able to answer those questions. So here's what I'm going to do because I think there's these, things, there's these obvious things. It's like, yeah, obviously... I'm not planning to murder anybody anytime soon. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, right? But but then we have these other things. We're just like, yeah, but can a Christian do this? And can a Christian do that? And we, we have these questions of Christian liberty that come up in our life. And I want to give you kind of a, a framework, questions to ask. So that we can do what Paul said. Let's not put ourselves under another yoke of slavery. And so here's a question that you can ask. And this is the first one. Is it, and it, by the way, is Whatever it is you're thinking about, it, fill in the blank. Is it pleasing to God? Is it pleasing to God? This is John 8, 31 through 32. He said to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, if somebody saves your life, Somebody saves you, like just goes out of the way and like saves your life. There's, an indebted, there's a sense of indebtedness that you feel there. I mean, if somebody, if somebody saves you. You just, I mean, that's, a, that's meaningful. You, you never forget a moment like that. And see, Jesus, for those of you, when you've met the real Jesus, when I say real Jesus, I'm not talking about, I mean, not the Sunday school of Jesus maybe that you grew up with. I don't know if you grew up like me. I remember growing up with like the felt board and all the little felt Bible characters up on there, right? And then they always had the Jesus felt character and he was always like holding a lamb and he looked really wimpy. Like that was, it's like, oh, that's Jesus. It's like, that ain't Jesus. See, Pretty sure Jesus was a carpenter. So and I'm pretty sure he probably had calluses all over his hand. I just imagine Jesus probably had like a, a handshake, just like a grip, like a vice grip. You know, I just just a man's man. That's what I think of when I think of Jesus. And see, when you had an encounter with real Jesus. Like the Jesus who, who came to earth, like set aside his, like he didn't consider himself equal with God. He came to earth and took on humanity on himself, took on your sin. Like when you understand that the real Jesus, when you meet the real Jesus, the one who didn't just bring you and rescue you from your hurting and your brokenness and your struggles. No, the real Jesus who took you out from the dark into the light, the real Jesus who when you were dead, resurrected you and brought you into new life. When you meet that Jesus, it changes the way you want to live your life you you want to live your life in a way that honors that that you want to live your life in a way that expresses gratitude for what that person has done for you that's what it means so is it pleasing to God is it pleasing to God Does it reflect his character? Does it honor him? Does it it express gratitude for what he's done? After all, he did make us in his image. Maybe reflect that. Is it pleasing to God? All right, here's the next question that you you can ask. Is it compromising my convictions? Compromising my convictions. This is Romans 14, 23. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. Listen to, what he, listen to what he didn't say. He didn't say, but if you have doubts about whether or not they should eat something, they are sinning if they do it. I didn't say that. I said, you, if you have doubts and you do, you're sinning. This is, a, this is an important distinction to make. This is, this, this, it's important to recognize that. For you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Another translation says, anything that's not done in faith, anything that's not done in faith is sin. I mean, that's, that's a big qualifier. I mean, there's no qualifiers to that. Actually, that's pretty straightforward. Anything not done in faith is considered sin. I think about um, Bethany and I, when we first got married, when we first got married, um, I was intense. I had a very intense personality. Some of you were like, you're still intense. That's, that's fair. I might be. I might be a little bit intense. See, I, so I was very intense. And Bethany, well, she was very sensitive. She was very sensitive. And, um, and so it was not uncommon for us to have an argument. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We didn't argue. Passionate conversation. That sounded something like, you know, Bethany would look at me and she go, why are you yelling at me? And I would be like, I am not yelling. I'm emphasizing. Okay. It's like, yeah, I'm not, what you this is who I am. This is my personality. This is the way I, I grew up like this. I had, all, I had all the reasons. And, you know, one of the things that we had to learn is that we had to learn how to communicate with each other. We had to learn how to argue and solve that communicated respect and love for each other. And that just happens over time, and it takes work to, to, to do that. But how many of y'all know, isn't if we ever, if we ever get in another passionate conversation, okay, and uh how many of y'all know, especially if you're married, you you know that there's this like there's certain things you you know if you you can say certain things or even say certain things in a certain way that you know will just get right under that other person's skin. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, and you have a crossroads moment sometimes where you're in that conversation, that passionate conversation, and you're in that moment and you're just like, it's a crossroads moment. You're like, am I gonna, am I gonna do this? Am I going to say it this way? Am I going to say? Am I going to say it? Because we all know what that is. It's like, because I know it's going to work. It's going to really get. It's going to have the effect I'm looking for. You know, you got a moment. You got to decide. And yeah, here's the reality. over the years, Bethany and I, we've had a lot of conversations about this, and we've we've developed a lot of convictions around how we communicate with one another. How do we resolve conflict? What are things that we do and don't do? when we're communicating and talking and maybe even arguing or whatever that may be, what do we do and do we don't do? And we've developed a a set of convictions around that. And so in a moment like that, where I'm having that kind of conversation, I have this opportunity. Now, here's the truth. I meet plenty of people who are very intense, and they're both intense, and they communicate, and it's working for them. They've found a way to communicate love and respect for each other, and it looks different than than it does for Bethany and I. It looks different. Now, are they sinning? Is that sin? It's like, well, it's not written in the Bible that you can't talk like that. It's like, you're right, it's not. But see, we've developed a certain set of convictions. So if I just go ahead and I do that, it's like, well, that's just the way I'm wired. That's just who I am. But if I do that and I compromise that, what am I doing? I'm sinning. That's sin. And there's no command in the Bible. You're not looking at it. No, 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 no. We've developed a certain level of convictions about how we communicate inside of our home, inside of our family, so we don't compromise those areas. Why? It doesn't respect. It's not, it doesn't communicate love and respect for one another. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Good. Here's another question you can ask. Here's the next one. Is it producing good fruit? Is it producing good fruit? This is Galatians 5, 13 through 15. It says, for you've been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Like beware of destroying one another. This is that scoreboard living. That's what that is. It's like, watch out. Like measuring up everybody with your scoreboard. He calls it biting and devouring. All you're going to do is destroy each other. He says previously in Galatians chapter five, he said, listen, it's for freedom that, that Christ has set you free. Jesus, when I say, when I think freedom, I think Jesus. Jesus is the pathway. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the way of Jesus is the way to real freedom. And we said this last week when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, Jesus didn't just say, hey, I've come. I, I take your sin on, on me, and I, and I died for you, and then I, and I rose again, and now you can have eternal life through me. And then he just, then he left, and he just said, you know, good luck. Like, good, good luck. Go ahead and follow me. Good, good luck to you. No, no, no. He didn't do that. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I send you my Holy Spirit. He said he, he sent us his Holy Spirit to empower us. To live a life of freedom. To live a life of freedom. I, here, I, Let's say it this way. I love it because Paul Paul goes into this point right here. The very next verse, Galatians 5, verse 16 through 18. He says it this way. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Listen to this part right here, because this is really critical for you to get a hold of. If you really want to understand what it means to be free, if you really want to understand what it means to lay your head down at night and not feel guilty about the life that you're living, it's like, no, I'm good with God because I have my faith by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to be able to live that kind of life, like real freedom in Jesus Christ, you need to get a hold of what what, what this is saying right here. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. I love that. See, it isn't just about your willpower. It's not just about you putting your nose to the grindstone. It's not just about you just you just better start making right decisions. No, 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 no. There's an element. There's an element to the to Christian discipline. But what he's saying is he's saying when you walk according to the Spirit, he changes your desires. He gives you new desires. You desire different things. And look at what this he says right here. He says these two forces, that, that desire that you, creeps up inside of you, and it's like, oh, man, you know, I, here's something I've noticed. I've noticed that people do this. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus. We go, well, I, you know, I have a desire to do something. It's like, well, I want to look at the computer screen. I, I want to feed my shopping addiction. Right? I, I want to I just unload on this person who's really made me mad and just say whatever comes to my mind. Like, I want to, so I'm already there, so I might as well do it. I'm, I'm already there, I want to, so I might as well be me, right? You be you, right? Let the real you come through. And we have all our little ways we like to say it. Say, so, well, I'm, I'm there, I might as well do it. And see, what he's telling us, Paul's telling us, he's going, no, 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 no. See, there's, this, there's these two forces at work inside of you. There's one that wants you to walk according to the flesh, wants you to walk according to, according to your flesh, wants you to, to, to do what's evil, this, this, this nature inside you. But there's also another one. And it's the spirit that comes inside you, the spirit that wants to lead you toward freedom. So here's what I would say to you. Don't give in. Like just because that desire comes up doesn't mean that the battle's over. No, these two forces are warring with one another. Make a decision in that moment to follow freedom, to follow the spirit. And he says this, he says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. The law of Moses. What's he saying? He's saying this. We create these little things that we we determine like this is how a good Christian lives. This is what good Christians do. This is what good Christians don't do. And then we we kind of set the bar and we say, okay, this is yeah, I'm following Jesus, but now I got a new set of rules I'm going to live by. And so we set the bar here. And what he's saying is he's he's, he's going if you're going to live your life in a way where you got you go oh I have these laws that I have to abide by all the time. He's saying boy that's um that's not a, that's not a healthy road. That see the only thing that makes you right with God is what he's saying here. The only thing that makes you right with God is is faith in Jesus Christ. Th- that's it. There, there is nothing else to add to that. There, there's, no score, there's no scoreboard. There's nothing else to say. What makes you right with God? Faith in Jesus Christ. Period. There's nothing else to add to that. And anything that you do add to that, the scoreboard, these self-inflicted rules and mandates that we put on ourselves. It's just adding to it. And it's not actually freedom. It's bondage. It's slavery. It's that yoke of slavery. He says, don't put yourself back under that. It's faith in Jesus Christ that makes you great with God, period. See, the Holy Spirit, we, we, we sang about it this morning. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces freedom and liberty in our life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And he says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me. And therefore, that means, that means for those of you that are followers of Jesus, everywhere you go, your life is intended to be a conduit for that freedom and for that liberty. He's done something in you. He's extended to you a certain level of grace and freedom and liberty. And that thing that he's done in you, the thing that he's done to you is the same thing he wants to use you for. He wants to do it through you to other people in your life. This is what he wants to do. I want to get really, I want to get really practical with you for a moment. I want to get really, really practical for, with you for a moment as we're talking about freedom and what this, what this means. I see this, and all of us do this, men and women do this, but I see this a lot in men. I just tell you this, stop counting. Can I say that? Stop counting. Stop counting your sin. Stop counting how many days you've gone by reading your Bible an hour a day. Stop, stop counting, you know, how many, it's like, oh, it's been that many days since I've done that. It's like, oh, things are good. It's like, hey, how are you doing with the Lord? It's like, oh, I start counting. So. You know what? I'm actually pretty good. Me and Jesus, we're good now. We're, we're all right. You need to stop counting. That's a roller coaster. You, you, are living on the mountain when, when things are going right, but then you're in the valleys when it's not. Stop counting. God's not counting. God's not counting. You know, some of us, some of us, we're like, well, I'm going to give God an hour of my day. Praise God. Go, you do that. Go right ahead. Can I just say this? Some of you though, it's like, you, you're doing your best to give God an hour of your day. It's like, well, I made this commitment to give him an hour of my day. And then your boss calls and it's like, you got to run out of the house. And it's like, well, I can't give him an hour a day. And then you feel guilty and the shame comes on. It's like, oh, what am I doing? I'm not all right with God now. Stop counting. Give them five minutes of your day. Some of you, I get it. You know, you get a phone call four in the morning, you got to bounce. You're out the, You're out the door. Give them your drive. Give them your drive for a moment. Like stop, stop trying to count all the time. God's not counting. When he looks at you, if you're a follower of Jesus, he sees Jesus. That's what makes you right with him. Jesus Christ. That's it. Here's what happens if you don't do this. If you you stay down this path, you continue to count. What will happen is this critical spirit will start coming out of you. You start with yourself. You're critical of yourself, and then you're critical of other people. And if I could see of us like one takeaway, like what are we going to do this week? We're celebrating freedom. We're talking about freedom. If I could say, let's do one thing this week. Let's, Let's not be critical all week. Like let's go a whole week and just not be critical of people. It's like... Your waiter at lunch today, like, no, no, actually, don't go out to lunch. We're having a barbecue out here. So, And, and still don't be critical of the guys cooking your burgers, right? Like, don't be, don't be critical of your barista cooking your, uh, making your coffee. Like, like don't, don't be critical. Don't be critical of the car in front of you. They'll probably go to Freedom Church anyway. So, you know, give them a break, right? You can it, it Extend people the liberty and the grace, the freedom that's been extended to you. In fact, you can start right now. By not being critical of my message today. I am. You can start right now. Yes. Here's the truth. All of us are on different scales of maturity. We're not all in the same place. Some of you have been serving Jesus, following Jesus for a week. Some of you have been serving Jesus, following Jesus for 20, 30 years. Plus. That's great. We're all in different places. I have a five-year-old at home. My expectations of my five-year-old are not the expectations of my nine-year-old. My expectations of my nine-year-old are not that of an adult. Right? We're in different places. Some of us, we need to do that. We need to shift our expectations of the people in our lives, especially those closest to us. We need to get rid of this critical spirit. The truth is, the truth is, is that not everybody's where you're at. Not everybody has had your experiences, sees life the way that you see it. Not everybody's where you're at. We need to we need to cut people a little bit of slack, cut cut a, give them a break, give people a break. You know one of the things I think about I, when I think about Jesus is is that he came yet while we were still sinners, he came and he died for us, and he rose again, and then he ascended, and then he went even further, and he sent us his Holy Spirit, and he still wasn't waiting for you to get everything right in your life. Like none of that. Like he went he went first. And that's an understatement. He went, he went first. We can do that too. We can extend that kind of grace to other people. You know, I've kind of said it already once before, but I think when I, when I encounter critical people, when I encounter critical people, critical people, and if you're one of them, you know what I'm talking about. You tend to be hardest on yourself. Critical people find it easy to be critical of themselves. Especially living in the Midwest, we're in North Dakota, hardworking people. It's like we tend to be hard on ourselves because we, we know how to work hard. And so it's like w- when we see something, we, we get after it. We, we put our nose down to the ground and we, and we work hard and we do what we had to do. And so we tend to be hard on ourselves. It just kind of comes with the territory a little bit. But critical people tend to be most critical of themselves. And a lot of times, a lot of times, this is because this, this little mantra you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So you can't extend the kind of grace and love that you need to extend because you don't have the kind of grace and love yet. You haven't received that. Now, I think about that. Paul, Paul in another place, he says, says, make room for each other's faults. Make room for each other's faults. Here's the truth. Not everybody's going to think like you. Even right here at Freedom Church, not everybody's going to think like you. Not everybody's going to have the same convictions all the time with everything that you do. Not everybody has the same ideas that you do. Not everybody's going to vote the way that you do. Maybe there is a right way to vote, but we'll give people time, okay? We'll give people time. Right? We make room for each other's faults. That's what we do. That's what we do. I would, even say, I would just say this. I would say, if you're hearing that, it's like, make room for each other's faults. There's something in you, and you're just like, I don't know. What does that mean? Here's a good chance. Here's a good chance. You have not actually received the grace You haven't received that kind of grace yet in your life. You can't, you struggle to extend it because you haven't received it. You you struggle to love people because you haven't actually received Jesus' love in your life. You need to receive that into your life so that you can love people the way Jesus does. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you again for Jesus. Father, help us to, to be free, to stay free. Help us to, to, to have a better understanding of what it means to be free in Jesus Christ. Help us to be aware of those areas, those maybe those self-inflicted rules and mandates that, we, that we've kind of put on ourselves and then we just so conveniently project on the people around us. Help us to be aware of what those are. So that not only so that we don't find ourselves under another yoke of slavery, so that we're not trying to put other people under a yoke of slavery either. Help us to stay free, remain free, to stand firm in our freedom in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.